Hey, I can hear you now. You can hear me now? I can hear you now. There ah, you go. Yeah. Technology according is our friend. To, yeah, according to uh, Alana, she says she could hear you, but I couldn't. But the way I see it is I'm the man with the buttons. <laughs> so if I can't hear you, you're out of here. <laughs> Every Ugh. week, one week, one week this will go a fight. Now, when it comes to going live uh, and streaming and stuff like that, you're probably one of the the, the, the foremost guys doing that at the moment. Am you're going, I? I mean, you're going live every day. I uh, it's true. I am going live every yeah. day. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, uh, yeah, yeah. Be I'm, the I'm, naked I'm, truth. Yeah, yeah. My show with it fought Monday through Friday. Uh, plus, I've got some other stuff here and there, but I've been really focused mostly on on that and some other projects outside of the stage world. But yeah, yeah, it's it's I, I like doing it. I enjoy it. It's fun. Yeah, I, I must admit, it's it's some a lot of people with what's happened. A lot of people have pivoted and mm -hmm. gone online. Um, and what you find, and probably people think this about watching this show, um, you find out week one, all the friends um, and people watch. Um, and it's cool. And then week two comes along and like the numbers are down. And then week three, no one can be bothered anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Everyone wants that. a distraction, right? They'll try right, it at exactly, first. Like, yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But I must admit, your your lives, it's something I try and catch every day. It's great oh, content um, and, and delivered really well. The chemistry between you two is thank absolutely you. fabulous. So anyone gets a chance, check out Paul's socials. Uh, I'll just put up the, uh, the link to it there. Uh, that's bethenakedtruth.com. Um, I must admit, when I first saw the uh, the, the URL, uh, I thought it was going to be something else. Right. Uh, <laughs> thought, well, oh, I'm, I'm in for this. Be, be we have this people. common language, and yet it's not as common as you might think. You yes. told me that we would go on at 310 because first you had to go give the clap to the to the health workers and in america yes. if you get the clap that's getting chlamydia and i was like i don't know what you're up to grant but i don't think that's going to help them any no, i don't know i don't know it's a i must admit there is there is we do it was an old reference but we used to do that but here in the uk um every week we uh we applaud the nhs and the key workers uh for doing such a wonderful job it's a great way uh socially that if we clap for them our government doesn't have to give them any more money so. Much, much better than what I thought you were doing. And I was, oh, yes. that's good. Okay. So. I, don't, I don't have the energy or the time <laughs> for that. Do you know what I mean? But, you know, if anybody's watching that's a nurse or works for the NHS, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to offers. To <laughs> so, uh, I mean, this show's probably about stage hypnosis and, and the likes and hypnotists as such. Um, first things first, how long, how long have you been a stage hypnotist? And what was your first experience? What kind of made you go... I want to do that. Oh, well, it's that's funny that you, so I can't answer it quite the way the question is framing it, but I can't answer it. So my first experience was uh, when I was in my uh, 11th year of school, uh, my junior year of, of high school in America, <coughs> we had a stage hypnotist come in and do a show as a fundraiser for mm. our National Honor Society. But when I saw it, I thought it was cool, but it didn't even enter my mind for an instant that I would end up doing that job. It was not, I gave it no consideration at all. I thought it was cool. Um, and then, no, and then, uh, my first year, uh, at university in my dormitory, we had a guy come in and do a little show right in our main lounge and my, my, the lady who ran my dormitory, she brought him every year. So I saw him four years in a row at nice. university and I still never, ever thought, 
of doing it. It just didn't seem like a real option for me. And I, thought, yeah. I was like, oh, that's cool. That's whatever. So that's five times I saw live stage hypnotism without a uh, live demonstrational hypnotism without ever doing it. Right. Then uh, I, I got out of university. I went and I taught. I was an English teacher, a secondary school. Uh, so I went and I taught uh, 10th grade English for a while. Then I went, I got out of that. I went back to the university that I had attended and I worked there running a dormitory. So <laughs> I hired that guy and brought him in to do it as a social program for my students. And uh, the third year, so now you're up to, I've seen seven different instances of demonstrational hypnotist. The third year uh, I was hanging out with him after that he got done, the students had left, we were hanging out and talking. And he told me a story about he had only done, he had never had a paid stage show in his 18 years of his career as a hypnotist. He had only done demonstrations to draw leads for client work. Wow. And so now he was retired and he did it just for something to do and make a little pocket money. And he still, he would only, he'd do these demonstrations to tell the students about, okay, this is fun, but think about this. And he'd talk about how they could really use it to make their life better. So we were talking about that. And he told me this story about an interesting client that he had had at one point. And I said, man, that's cool. I, I'd love to learn how to do that. And he immediately, he's like, I'll teach you. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I didn't think it'd go that, you know, like he goes, I'll teach you. I think you'd be really good at it. Mm. And I put him off for an entire year. I was like, yeah, that's cool. Let me think about it. The next year he came in again. I knew I was getting to the end of that job. And I was like, so is that offer still good? And he was like, yeah, he goes, I really think you'd be good at it. So I started meeting with him. His name was Bob Chase. Um, I don't even know. He's an older gentleman, so I don't even know if he's still with us anymore. I hope he is. I should follow up with him. I talked with him a couple of years ago, but I haven't talked with him in a couple of years. Um, he taught me the basics. Uh, I started practicing with my students. I sent out an email to my whole dormitory and said, I'm working on learning hypnotism. If you want to know what it's like, come on down. And it was like a revolving door. Like they're, nice. they're in on the couch, in on the couch. And mostly they'd come in and say, I had a stressful day. Can I just do some <laughs> hypnosis for a little bit? And I, we do yeah. it just for stress relief. But that showed me how quick it could be, how effective it could be, how they would get a relief immediately from doing that. And I was literally getting to the end of, of my, I was like, I can't keep doing this job. I had finished my next degree which was supposed to be for teaching. And I knew I didn't want to go back to teaching. I was laying in bed, Grant, one night, and I just was like, what am I going to do? Like, now I have two degrees to be a teacher, and I don't want to be a teacher anymore. Like, I'm not going to go to college all over again for a third time. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, I just, this like, let's say, like having a light bulb moment. It really was. It was like, bing. And I was like, you could be an entertainer, and you could help people the way these other jobs you've been doing because you wanted to help people work. You could do it all within one job. And so yeah. I was like, yes. And so I went, I got <laughs> certified and um, that was 2004. And I immediately, when I got done with my contract here at the university, I knew that if I kept my day job, I wouldn't take the hypnotism job seriously. Yeah. So yeah. I quit the day job and I went fully into hypnotism. And so that's 16 years ago. So 16 nice. years later, nice. here I am. It's, I mean, it's so weird the the... Um... <laughs> The difference of the experience between the UK market and the American market, because uh, you you guys have always had a really great relationship with stage hypnosis. Um, you perform in high schools. Um, it is a very it, it seems a very positive thing. Unfortunately, in the UK in the nineties, we kind of had um, some stuff happen, uh, and it got it got a really bad rep. 
Um, and now you talk to people about stage hypnosis and it is still very much like, oh, no, 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 it's creepy. It's weird. It's, you know, it's it, it does get a bad rep here. So we get when that I, here too, though, Grant. We get that. Yeah. We get, I get people every show who, who will say something like that before the show yeah. starts. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, the the mysticism and some of that stuff, I think that helps what we do. Um, but I mean, I, I can work audiences now and they, they, they don't know what stage hypnotist is. You know, who's ever seen a stage hypnotist? Oh, I've seen Darren Brown on TV. Yeah. You know, they've got, they've got no point of reference of what that is. I mean, you try and explain that, that, that can face some challenge sometimes. So it would be nice if we could kind of, you know, get them, get them early and show them how much fun stage hypnosis can be. We're so focused on being entertained here. Mm. it's so pervasive that it is we've gotten to um sort of a luxurious point in our in our history of stage hypnotism in america where you know it used to be cruise ships independent mm. theaters you know colleges now it's a standard form of entertainment for like secondary school like when they have their prom, you know, they have yeah. an after prom party and they'll have it at that. Or when they graduate, they'll have an after graduation party and they'll have it at that. Like, wow. like it's, it's, you know, we'll do fundraiser shows yeah. for their, their sports teams or their class trips or stuff like that. So like the exposure really now comes all the way down to like 14 year old kids wow. and, and then goes from there. So uh, we're really, and, and that's happening a lot now so I think you're going to get this whole generation of people who are like really, really comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's great. I mean, we, like I say, we don't, we, we can't kind of, we don't work high schools. Uh, we've in the UK, we've got the, uh, um, like the stage hypnosis licensing, uh, which is a, a, a very political point of a lot of stage hypnotists. There's ways it's never been proven in the court of law, but there's ways around it. And it's just, it just makes it difficult and complicated, Yeah, uh, but it's, but it's a great form of entertainment and done right. I, I think it's one of the best forms of entertainment that's out yeah. there. You know, there's nothing yeah. funnier than seeing your friends doing silly things in the UK. And I'm sure you guys have it as well. We do have a lot of guys that are, um, you know, not necessarily entertainers. Um, doing hypnosis and the problem with that is you know people get a bad experience of it so you know they see one hypnotist that is not necessarily funny or very good and then they kind of think that's all stage hypnosis is exactly the same so cheap effects you know that yes let's, let's cut right to it you know like what it really is is a lack of craft that means yeah. the operator goes for cheap effects yeah. and that leaves a bad taste in people's mouths it's um the easiest it's like slapstick comedy which I laugh at slapstick comedy, yeah. but it's, it's a little different with hypnosis, right? Like, like in a movie, you, you seeing a guy get kicked in the nuts and makes you laugh, you know, you but you're like, you don't want to hypnotically make someone think they got kicked in the nuts, no. right? No. Like it's, it's, and, and then yet there's a lot of people doing stuff like that, yeah. getting pricked by needles or seeing spiders or mice or yeah. things that you're afraid of and a lot of this stuff to get that initial visceral reaction yes. and you go yeah but they're having a shitty experience right now it's yes. funny for everyone else it's not funny for them like i, yeah. I that stuff drives me crazy Absolutely. just makes me cringe I, I i i mean one i think you can be funny without being offensive you know that if you can do that that's easy it's easy to go for the cheap laugh or the reaction and as a performer if you're insecure about your ability to entertain then when you get that response from the audience you think oh i'm doing brilliant you know the audience went wild but for me it's about that 
it's about getting booked again. Yes. You know, and, and, you know, if they see the show and go, oh, that was fun, you know, it wasn't degraded. I want to give that a try next time and experience it. Right. And then that way you get, you hope, touch wood, you get the rebookings and the rebookings yep. and rebookings. So, yeah. Yeah. When we spoke in, in Vegas, um, I remember we were talking about USPs, you know, what makes your show different. And I, I remember you telling me about the story that you were speaking to an agent that kind of said, you know, you sh your show's great. What makes it different from somebody else? And uh, we've got a clip of your your mind game show. Um, I'm going to play that now, uh, and then you can you can tell us all. I mean, it's self explanatory, but we yeah, can no, talk it's cool. about I get that you. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Mind Games breaks the mold of stage hypnotism and provides a whole new experience for audiences. Paul Ramsey hypnotizes ordinary, everyday people while they're still sitting in the audience, allowing their friends and family to witness the transformation up close. Then, the audience is given remote control polling devices, and they get to vote on what scenarios should take place on stage. What happens from there? Well, that's up to you. Amazing. I absolutely love the concept and, and how it's delivered, you Thank know, you. that interaction between the audience. What, what, how did you come up with the idea? Well, it was that meeting with my agent. It all started with that. I mean, I, I sat with him and he said, you're good at what he said, you know, to, to pick on your earlier language, he didn't say your show's great. He said, you're great at what you do. He said, but there's nothing special about your show. And he was totally right. I was running a pretty traditional stage show at that point. So we sat that day and we brainstormed ideas. And he said, look, each generation, each, each four-year cohort, not even a generation, each four-year cohort of college students is more technologically savvy than the one that came before it. So mm -hmm. if that's what they know and what they love, why don't you would incorporate it? They're, they're more and more used to using technology to interact with the world. And so at first I thought, all right, well, I don't know about the technology, but I can at least make it more interactive. So what I literally did at first, Grant, was I had quarter sheets of paper and golf pencils. And before the show, I, I would print out these sheets that would have like five questions on them. And then I'd, and they were in quarters and I'd cut them into quarters and I'd go out before the show and I'd hand them out to the kids who were in the audience with a golf pencil. And then two minutes before the show started, I'd run around and collect them all. And then during the show, I would just, I'd, I'd say, all right, here's what we're going to do next. And I would just choose one of the, I'd randomly pick a thing and I'd choose what the kid said and I'd build it. Right. And, and it was just way too cumbersome. It was way <laughs> too cumbersome. And I was, and then I was visiting with a friend from when I was working at the uni and um, she was asking me how it was going. I was sitting with her and her husband having a beer and she goes, how's your show going? And I was like, well, it's cool. Cause I got, I know I have the right idea but the implementation's wrong and it's too common. I was telling, and she was working at the university still. And she saw that they had started to use these remote controls in the classrooms. And so she goes, why don't you just use the remote controls? And I was like, what? And she goes, they all have these remote controls now in class. They take quizzes with them. It's how they keep track of their attendance. So there's a, and I was like, Oh my God, why didn't I think of that? And I was like, yes. And so I went 
and I bought the remote controls and I moved it all to that voting format yeah. and it just crushed. It just, yeah. for, for, I mean, I literally doubled my business the first year. Yeah. I doubled my bookings and then I got, you know, here in the States, we have these middleman festivals where the middleman is an organization that brings together the college buyers and the artists, mm -hmm. right? And they put on these little festivals and you can, you can showcase your show. You have to apply and pay a fee. But if you get picked, you showcase your show. Well, what determines whether you get picked or not is if you're offering something different. So mm -hmm. once I had that concept, I applied to three showcases a year for three years straight. And in three years out of the nine showcases I applied to, I got six of them. Nice. And so again, it just, everything just went like, it just took off like crazy. Um, I got to a point where I even phased out a couple of years ago. I phased out the remote controls because I finally found uh, an app. There, there had been apps before, but they wouldn't do yeah. everything I wanted them to do. And then finally I discovered Kahoot and Kahoot was built for education. So it allowed you to do polling, but it had a nice visual interface as well. It was, so I got to a point where I could pay for a license for that. Very reasonable. And now my audiences can just download the app for free Fantastic. to their phone and they can vote in real time. And I can have up to a thousand people voting per show. And it's just, it's just gotten better. But of course then, and then it all went away. So yeah. And then it, it saves, it saves people stealing the remotes as well, especially if they're doing it on their own phone. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Know, uh, it's not so much the stealing. They, 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 People yeah, fiddle they, with them and they break them because they're just fiddling or, you know, or yeah. stupid stuff. Yeah. After after seeing you kind of demonstrate it in, in Vegas, uh, the moment I got back, I'm like, I'm like trying to contact app developers. I'm like, well, I need, I need something that can do this. I don't want to give out remotes. Expensive. I work some venues, some venues. Yeah. And the, the app development was really expensive. So I thought that's how it worked. And that, now I do a lot of holiday parks. So that, you know, the audience is very young sometimes. They don't volunteer, obviously. Um, but I thought, you know what? I need to bring this concept to the holiday parks. And uh, I thought, I know, I'll, I'll use Twitter. So I'll have, I'll have the display up. And then I'll say to people, if you want to tweet your suggestions, tweet them, use this hashtag, it'll appear on the screen. And then that's the suggestion that we'll do. How'd that go? Which, uh, ah, at first, genius. But then, then you take into account you're asking the general public that have had alcohol <laughs> to tweet their suggestions <laughs> to a holiday park audience. <laughs> so it's fair, it was fair to say about 10, 15 minutes into that, it was just like, just unplug the screen. Too just much autonomy, unplug right? the screen. Yeah. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's like, no, you, need, you need something. I think, I think that's the reason why I didn't roll it out over here. It was just like, no, 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 no. Take that off, you guys. <laughs> That's awesome. so, yeah. Terrible all the same time. Luckily, I managed to save the contract for that particular venue. But it was just <laughs> like, wow, there's nothing worse than having children in the front row of the audience and you've seen swear words appearing behind yeah, you. Yeah, like, right? no. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine, uh, you know, things are very different. Uh, oh, sorry, things probably the same over there now, but our oh, business totally. is, is very different now to how it was. How are you? Uh, how are you pivoting? How are you changing what you're doing at the moment? So for the moment, my pivot is I, I'm just assuming that I'm not going to work on stage for the rest of this calendar year. And mm. I, if I'm wrong about that, I'll be happy to be wrong. It's not yeah. anything I'm rooting for, but I just think when you look at you know, and I, I'm keeping in touch with the people I, I primarily perform in the college market. 
So I think they're a pretty good um, like barometer, you know, because mm. they've got real liability issues with other people's yeah. children attending their their institutions mm. and they're really, you know, trying to look at it all. And and so I keep checking in with my I have certain clients, you know, like uh, the Juilliard School in New York City, yeah. the performing arts school. I've been their opening week entertainment for 16 straight years. So nice. I have a great relationship with them. I can, you know, check in and see like where are you at? What are you talking about? Um, I've got that kind of stuff that I can do. And and what they're so far, what most of my people I've checked in on are saying is, well, we're probably going to open in the fall, but even if we do, we're not going to have group events. Yeah. And so it's yeah. confirmed so far what I thought they're going to err on the side of caution. And so I'm like, all right, so I'm not going to spend time trying to do something that relates to something I can't control. What yeah. can I control? I am a board certified hypnotist. I have more skill sets than stage. And so, um, so I've, I've worked on, uh, my big thing is I have two things that I'm like working. I was telling you before we started, I'm, I'm working harder than I've ever worked in my whole career, really <laughs> hours wise. I'm building a small business mentorship for hypnotists Boom. that what I found was, I was like, look, if you've got downtime, this is a great time to revamp your business, like get yeah. your business more organized, strengthen yeah. your brand, change your infrastructure for how your business works. Yeah. Um, and so I've run into a lot of colleagues who are still, even though they've been hypnotists for years, they're not doing that stuff. They don't have a solid business infrastructure. Yeah. And that's one thing I have been, you know, smart enough to do well over the years. So I'm mentoring hypnotists on that now. And then my other big thing, my like moonshot thing, Grant, is I'm building an online, an online site, an online community mm. that is not, it's, it's primarily hypnosis focused, but not just hypnosis focused. It's, it's a wellness community is what it really yeah. is. And the idea is to Break again. I, I want to do things differently, and one of the things that drives me crazy is how often I see hypnotists selling primarily to other hypnotists. Like there are times when it's appropriate and right to sell to hypnotists. I, I get that, but yeah. I think there's too much of that. And yeah. I was like, I'm not going to add to that. There's already enough of that. Yeah. So I'm going after the eight billion people that <laughs> are on the planet that have problems that need help. And so we're building a a site that's community based, that's membership based that's going to actually network other hypnotists. That's the, that's the other big thing is I'm like, I'm not going to keep trying to do everything myself. Yeah. I'm not going to try to be the smoking guy, the weight loss guy, the golf guy, the right. And mm -hmm. what I'm going to do is say, we can do this together and have a greater effect than we can have on our own. And so I'm coordinating with other hypnotists and getting them to focus on one thing. Yes. And I'm letting them be the expert in that one thing on this site. And we're going to all pitch together and really try to help other human beings live happier, healthier, more abundant lives by all taking a team approach. And I'm super excited about it. Like it's, yeah, yeah. it's a big, big deal for me to be working on it. Yeah. Good. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, one thing I kind of got into the habit of asking people, uh, and it's just because I know a lot of hypnotists are kind of, you know, we all have book addictions. Um, so if you were to have uh, your two books, uh, whether it be stage or for therapy, the two most influential books that you think every hypnotist should have on their shelf. Oh, I have so <laughs> many books. Uh, so it's funny, you know, when I got into stage work, 
the first stage book I read was Orman McGill's new encyclopedia of stage yeah. hypnosis. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I met Orman, um, and, and I, and I didn't know him well, but I had the honor of meeting him, uh, in the final year of his life. Uh, he was amazing. And so that's a book that I'm sort of sentimentally attached to. It, yeah. it is, um, it's still a solid book. I don't know if I would really say a lot of people for a long time said it's the Bible. And I'm like, hmm. eh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good book though. It's a great place to start. It's a great reference and it's, it's really thick. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of content in there. And some of the stuff I know you, some of the stuff you go and you go, uh, I don't know. It's moved on a lot since. Then. Right. Right. But yeah. I think you've got to, you've still got to go there and kind of yeah. go. Yeah. And at, at yeah. different stages of my career, I've gone back to it and you kind of look at it differently you know, at different times in that career sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah, I think for me it was the Bible and now it's a reference book. Yeah. You know what I mean? And sometimes I look at it and go, what, really? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and I think that's yeah. going to happen. And, you know, like things do age and context changes. Yeah. And, yeah. The other book, I'll tell you, the only, the only book, as far as I'm aware of myself, the only book that I reread at least a portion, if not the whole thing of every year is think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill. Yeah. 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 Right. And that, that's my, that's my, um, that's my gift book. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a, yeah. along my, my journey and you meet, you meet some people along the way, tend to be younger, you know, full of all the ambition in the world. And they're going to take over the world and you just go, here's, here's that book. Read it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 important. That's, I, I really treasure that book. Yeah. 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 I think the first personal development book I was given years ago was the magic of thinking big, um, which is a, a, a great book. Oh, it was part of the, uh, uh, I'm sure you have it. Amway. Oh no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, it was a guy that was involved in that, that gave him this, this, the, the magic of thinking big, a great, great, great book. Um, and, and the second one was the, the think and grow rich Napoleon Hill. And you it's know just, it's just phenomenal. What's funny about the age we live in, I, a lot of times when I talk books with people, uh, people will mention a book, especially fiction. And, and I'll oh. go, no, I haven't read that. And they're like, no. you're an English teacher. And I'm like, do you understand? Do you really understand the scale of the time we live in and how much has been created? Like, yeah. you can't get to it all. Like, you, yeah. <laughs> you just can't. And so it's funny how people end up there's so many great things out there, but you just can't yeah. get to them all, which is sad yeah. in some ways, but also uh, it's fun. Cause you think, well, I can try. I mean, I love my book collection, but loads of it now. I just, I don't get time to read that, you know, like I used to, but yeah, you know, I think a great book can change your life. Yeah, you know, like you said, you go back to it and you read it again and you read it again. And it's for the people that are into like, like Wanda Burns, the secret, you know, I mean, that's, that's based on Napoleon Hill's work or right. a lot of it has its foundations there. So yeah, it's a lot of people kind of get the classics, revamp them, rehash them and, and put them out like a, a new TV series, if you know what I mean. Do you have a Bible of stage hypnotism? Was that uh, Delaware? Delaware? No, I just mean, metaphorically speaking, do you have one oh. that's that serves as your Bible of stage hypnotism? If it's not Ormond's, is there one that does? Or do you just not have that at all? The one that, the one that had the most impact on me, or where, where things started to kind of go, oh, yeah, that makes a bit more sense, was uh, Jonathan Chase's book, uh, really? Deeper and Deeper. Um, 
great, great book. Um, and again, it, it was from a working hypnotist point of view. Yeah. I think a lot of stage hypnosis books are done from a, a, a theory point of view. Yeah. There's a lot of stage hypnotists that want to have that, that they want to create that Bible of stage hypnosis. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of it is, is, oh, do you know what I mean? There's, there's a couple of, there's a couple of books out there that just, that just wind me up because you read it and you go, yeah, that's, that's because you've read that in a book. You've not been on stage and done that. Right. And I think you can tell sometimes. Uh, we had a, a guy on last week, um, uh, Chris Doc Strange. Um, he's got a great book on stage hypnosis. And again, cool. it's from that, that from a gigging hypnotist point yeah. of view. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Jonathan Chase uh, is, is a British guy. Uh, yeah, he, I, I don't know him personally. I've interacted with him on social over the years. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he's very direct. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in fact, there was a thing for HypnoBiz went out uh, on Instagram uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I, I was I'm speaking there virtually as such, and it's like da -da -da, stage hypnosis for the hypnotherapist, performance hypnosis, and Jonathan Chase just wrote underneath it, interesting question mark question mark, and I thought, oh, I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get into it. <laughs> I, I love how I love how dramatic our industry can be sometimes. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um, Andrew Newton, who's a British state hypnotist who taught Paul McKenna, has a great book. Oh, yeah? uh, I, I, believe, I believe it's called Mind, it might be called Mind Games, actually, huh. uh, by Andrew Newton. Uh, but yeah, again, that's, that's, that's a great book. But An Andrew seems to uh, really dislike British state hypnotists. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, he's, uh, I think, uh, I mean, as you can see, I've got a beard. I don't normally have a beard. I normally just have the goatee. Right. Or as, or as Andrew calls it, if you think that vagina on your chin makes you somehow dynamic, you're mistaken. Wow. <laughs> oh, cheers, Andrew. <laughs> okay. uh, but Andrew is uh, it's a great stage hypnotist. Uh, yeah. it's, it's old school. The first half of his show is, is, is old school, but it's delivered with great, great timing. Um, but and I always recommend UK hypnotists to go and see him. However, Andrew has this USP that he actually employs security at his shows. And if he knows there's a stage hypnotist in there, security will come and have you removed from the theatre. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, oh, yeah. He's very protective over his material. But he, he, is a, he is a great – it pains me to say it, but he is a, a phenomenal stage hypnotist. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> How far are you going to go? How long are you going to do it? Do you know what? If you'd have asked me this six months ago, it was like, I want to take over the world. Same as everybody else. Do you know what I mean? And I, I, I've, you know, I, I, you know, by some accounts, I'm quite successful at this. Yeah. Um, but like this, you know, with my pivot, it's kind of made me go, right, well, there's only, there's only so many stages I can perform on at a time. There's only so many days in the week. There's only so many miles I can do. I mean, I, tr I travel ridiculous mileage on my car. I, I, I travel all over the world, which is quite nice. I've done a few cruise ships, which is lovely. But the reality is like, you know, like sitting at home and, and creating a product that can then be out there, actually giving something to the community rather yeah. than just performing on stage and going, look at me, I'm special. I'm finding more value in that. Um, but I don't know if that's just my laziness kicking in where I think, you know uh, what, the idea of making an income and staying at home, I, I, I like this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but I love, I mean, you, you'll be exactly the same. There's, there's no better feeling 
than that when you're on stage, you know? Yeah. You know, and it's funny, like, I, I think I'm over it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I've done it for 16 years. Yeah. I've done it. You know, the only stuff I haven't done really, I haven't done cruise ships and I haven't done Vegas, you yeah. know? And, yeah. and really that's because I never tried. I just never tried. You know, I probably could have, if I had tried, um, I got a, I got a, I got a phone call. Uh, my best friend Alan will watch this at some point. He always watches the Mac later one just to make sure. I always, I tend not to slag him off, but I, he always comes into the conversation somehow. He used to be my sound guy that looked after my sound and looked after my stage, and then he realised he could make more money as a sound person and went off and, and set up his own company. Uh, <laughs> like, cheers, Al. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely uh, phenomenal guy. Um, his wedding was coming up a couple of years ago. And uh, in the run-up to it, Alan always jokes because uh, if a show comes in on a cruise ship or anything like that, I'm I'm gone. That's my that's my priority. And uh, I, I got an email, and I, I was at with Alan at the time, and the email was from, I'm not saying who it was, but it was someone like, listen, you know, I need someone to cover my show. Is there any chance you could do it? As a Vegas show, could you do it? As a performer, it's the, it is what you want to do to perform Vegas. I had to do three dates. One of those dates was Alan's wedding. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm looking at the email and I'm looking at Alan and I thought, oh, oh surely he would understand. <laughs> you had to think about it. <laughs> I, had to, I, I thought about it. But then literally a message back saying, I can't do that date or that date. And the message came back going, listen. And the message was quite abrupt by going, listen, I'm offering you this. You either do all the dates or none. And I'm like, I can't do it. And I, I've come back and I've said to, said to Alan, I've gone, uh, I've just turned down a gig in Vegas for you. Anyway, oh, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not bitter, but no, to this no. day, to this day, I always think, Joe, I should be in Vegas now, but I'm not. That yeah. would have been my moment. Oh my so, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, do you, how, how quickly do you think Vegas will bounce back? I mean, I think Vegas is in in probably one of the group areas in which I'd say they're in the most trouble because yeah. not only is all their stuff based around group gathering, like even if you yeah. just think, well, no, I gambling, I just sit there. You, yeah, you go sit there in a giant room with a bunch of yeah. other people. Like, <laughs> even, you know, you sit in a slot machine, you've got people right yeah. on, like no matter what, like they're all their stuff, restaurants, buffets, you know, like like it's all built around large groups of people being together all the time. So um, and then how do most people get there? They have to fly, you know, like surely some people do drive, but most folks are flying there. And mm -hmm. I think even though flying is happening right now, you have to go. But but how comfortable do people feel with it? And so, you know, I think flying is going to take quite a while to recover because of people's fears and so yeah. you add that to that. I, I, I think they're, I was, uh, um, you know, they're in I tough was, shape. I, was, I think coming back from a, a gig last year, November last year, uh, via Ethiopia, uh, you've got to love agents. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, can we send him direct from here to here? No, let's send him via Ethiopia. Yeah. Um, oh, that's, that's, a lovely, uh, that's a lovely airport. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's exactly what you would expect it to be. <laughs> Um, and I remember I've gotten the plane for Ethiopia Airlines 
And literally, when they've shut the doors before we've took off, people have walked down the cabin with disinfectant and were spraying it over all the people. And I remember at the time thinking, oh, my God, this is crazy, that spraying disinfectant over people. But I think that's going to become, I think that's going to become the norm now on flights, you know? Yeah, I th- yeah, again, it's uh, it's one of those themes that if I and I keep talking about on the show, like every week we come back to it at some point is I don't think any of us can appreciate how many variables are really at interacting and yeah. how that will ripple out into you know everyday life. And I and the one example I used with her in one episode is I said, look, it only took a guy trying to smuggle a bomb into his shoe one time. Yeah. For us to have to take our shoes off at the airport, yeah. For, for now, how yeah. how how many years, you know? Yeah. And no one's ever done it since, and yet we still. You go well if you're in the pre-check line, or okay, but still, there's people yeah. every time they fly who have to take their shoes off because yeah. a guy did something one time. So yeah. I think about that kind of stuff, and I go, we just don't know, we just don't yeah. know, and we got to try to just, you know, be be as flexible as we can be. I think the big thing that I keep trying to come back to Grant, whether it's if you do get the chance to work in stage again, or if you decide, you know what, I'm not going to work stage. I'm just going to pivot and go to this other thing. No matter what, there's this amazing opportunity for us to just get our shit together and, and try to start helping people more. Yeah. No matter what you do. Right. And, and to get to say enough's enough. Like we need to make some changes in our culture yeah. And and focus on human beings being kind to one another again and, and trying to help each other more. And I don't yeah. know if people are going to get that. Some act like they get it. I don't, but I, that's the thing I just keep coming back to is, you know, is how can you make whatever you do, even if it's a show, you go, it's not just about making people laugh. Yeah. Can you can you make them laugh and encourage them to bring some kindness somehow? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, on that bombshell, Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure once again to speak to you. And uh, yeah, no doubt I shall see you on your your Be the Naked Truth, um, which is not what you think it is. Um, (laughs) That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. don't don't go there looking for that. You will be disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) But once you get over that, it's great content. Yeah, yeah. Timing's perfect. My dog wants to go outside. So, hey, thank you for having me. And please, please, I love talking with you and I'm happy to talk shop with you. If you ever want to do it again, you just let me know, okay? Fantastic, Paul. Take care. All right, brother.